Hello and welcome back to the True North Canadian Football Podcast. I am your host, Mike Schwan. Find me on Instagram at Mike Schwan or Twitter at Mike Schwan CFL. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Taylor Curry SK. Kennington, you can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington and on Twitter at CJK underscore Carter. Don't forget to also follow the show. You can follow our socials at Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and our Facebook page is True North Canadian Football Podcast. You can also listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So, we got a lot of news to cover this week with final cuts in the NFL, but we'll get rolling here. As we mentioned last week, Lenius was cut by the Falcons. He is now back to the Riders. Um, heavier piece of news here, Christophe Normand was charged with luring a minor for sexual purposes. Eisen's kicker, Aya Turner, becomes the first female player to score a point in U-Sports history. Cool. Riders post a $3.9 million profit uh, from the return to play last year, so good for them. Strebler, after a couple of great performances, was actually released by the Jets, so that's rough. And yeah, then, makes me sad. Makes me very sad. For sure. And he'll catch on. Like he, he definitely had a good enough performance. He'll catch on somewhere. And then Gary Stern has stepped down uh, from team operations and has resigned from the CFL Board of Governors. And that's rough. He was such a positive for the league, too. So just you hate to see that. Yeah, you you don't see other owners interacting with fans the way he did, man. And then the Commanders cut uh, Mark and Michelle, former Stampeder. Steelers cut former Stampeder James Vodders. Chargers released uh, offensive lineman Jamal Davis and Canadian defensive lineman Christian Covington. Hoda Shepley was waived by the Seahawks. The Denver Broncos also released Canadian defensive lineman Jonathan Kongbo. Panthers cut former CFL player Braden Zilstra. Patriots waived Drew Desjardins, uh, OG fan of the show, by the way. Uh, so wish Shout out to best. Drew. Yep. And then Packats QB Matthew Schiltz to miss four to six weeks with a wrist injury. Oof. Then, oh, that's rough. Then <laughs> Let's get into our game recap here. So, Winnipeg narrowly defeats Calgary in a little bit of a shootout, 31-29. to Let's get to, what are your thoughts on Jake Mayer's performance? I mean, besides the loss, I don't think he could have had much of a better performance in the 80% for completion rate, three touchdowns, almost 300 yards. Like, yeah, you can't ask for much more from your quarterback, so... Uh, no, it it was phenomenal. And I, I mean, if you're Craig Dickinson right now, you, you're scratching your head every day thinking, how am I going to, I'm not putting Bo Levi back in because, uh, Jake seems to be doing it. Like even against Winnipeg, he didn't win, but he kept you in the game until the last two minutes. And Bo hasn't been able to do that all year consistently. So I think that'll be the change, but uh, no, it was a great performance by Jake for sure. Well, yeah, no, for me, I had Jake Mayer as, like, the top performer of the week, and obviously we, as a unit, decided something different, but this was the guy that I sort of brought to the table, because you look at the stat line, and it's just, like, mind-blowing that this team didn't win. 
um, especially when you compare it to um, Zach Caleros' numbers, who basically had the same stat line except with one less touchdown and two picks, whereas Jake Mayer went three TDs, no interceptions. Um, yeah, Jake Mayer has absolutely lit it up. His consistency is just outstanding. For sure. And for me, my hope was, given that this was the Stampeders, is that Mayer would play and he'd make the game respectable. I didn't expect him to win this game. I just hoped he, this game would be respectable. And he did that more this week. And Calgary was in this till the final minutes. So you have to give props to Mayer. And yeah, I, I don't know what happens. And this is kind of a nice segue into our next question. What do you do with Bo? Yeah, it's tough because, I mean, like, if Jake's going to keep you competitive and start winning some games uh, consecutively, then I think you got no choice but to keep him in as your starter. Uh, if he loses the next couple two, the next couple games and they are close, like they're against Edmonton, so if they're close but they still lose, I think Bo goes back in. But if Jake plays consistently, uh, Bo Levi is a free agent in February. So I think he rides the pine, unfortunately, until the end of the season. And then you will let him walk after that and decide Jake's your guy if he's going to play consistently. But if he doesn't, I think it makes it even more difficult for them to decide what to do. But right now I'm leaning towards you keep Jake and you get rid of Bo. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like um, you can't trade either one of them, obviously. Just that's not an option, I don't believe. Because if someone starts to underperform, you got to have both, even though having uh-huh. Bo Levi on the pine is a huge waste of cash. Um, but that being said, um, you can't, you can't bench Mayer after that. So yeah, I think you have to have him just be on the bench for now. And if Mayer keeps performing like this, then yeah, you got to keep the Mayer in Calgary. Yeah, for me, it's a tough situation. Hopefully both of them are expiring this year and just can't trade Bo because of his contract. I don't think anyone's going to be willing to take that on, especially later in the year when bonuses you know may or may not be reached and then mayor uh i don't know how concerned calgary is with the the nick arbuckle effect the nick arbuckle also looked great when he was in calgary and right now i honestly don't know what to think arbuckle so like maybe some team might run away from mayor because of that same thing, although I do think Mayer is actually but at the same time yeah, you can't really trade him either, so I think you have to kind of ride the pine uh, for the rest of this year and then when it comes to contract time, I think you keep Mayer and Bo's going to be too expensive, so I think he ends up walking Well, that's I just want to add something which is kind of interesting so Bo right now is 425 in hard money for his contract. And there's other things in play too, but Mayer's contract is 186,000 right now. But if they give the reins to Mayer, he's probably going to be asking for that 300 kind of uh, 350 maybe even. So you're you might save some money in the long run, but he's going to be like if you give him that starter job, I think he's going to want that pay raise from 186 up. Oh, of course he is cuz you know 186 that's kind of mid-range backup money. In- NFL, like when Cody had his nice year in 2019, he got about 400,000. 
so the mm-hmm. mayor would probably also be in that neighborhood in terms of what he would sign for. So I do feel like that's going to be the case. Uh, and again with Bo, not sure what he's going to want. So I think he ends up packing, going somewhere else. I think we kind of see a bit of Bears quarterback this offseason. Gardo also expiring. I believe Montreal under both of their quarterbacks are expiring as well. So it'll be interesting to see for her. Then is Winnipeg coming down to earth? After this game, because they lost to Montreal, then this game was super close. So, um, what do you guys think? Are they coming down to earth now, or is it too weird? We see, and that's yeah. Like I don't, I don't know if it's coming down to earth. I mean, everyone's had more time to study and watch their film, and Calgary is a great, like an amazingly coached team, and they're a good team to begin with. So it's just going to be competitive. But I mean. Besides the two picks, Claros didn't play bad. They had a good run game. Uh, it wasn't Dalton Schoen and Greg Ellingson this week. It was uh, Greg McRae and Nick Dembski getting the touchdowns in the yards. So, um, you know, I I don't think coming down to earth is the right way to say it. I think maybe if they lose uh, one of these games to the Riders, you could say that. But uh, right now, no. I just think that after 10 weeks and you only got one by week like it, things are going to catch up eventually but the second half is going to be really nice for winnipeg with two buys and uh i think they're playing at home quite a bit you may, correct me if i'm wrong carter uh yeah i think we only have um i think this is our second last away game of the year like it's something ridiculous like that with how much uh with how much um of our schedule was away earlier in the season i'm gonna double check that i'm gonna go to the winnipeg blue bombers website but um as i'm doing that i'm gonna sort of get into my piece about the bombers and getting sort of back down to earth and i sort of mentioned this a little bit ago a couple weeks ago where the bombers won but it was close i think it was week nine and i was kind of saying like i i highlighted uh, zach caleros but at the same time it could have been the team um, I just don't think that they're the juggernauts that they were. Obviously, they're winning all their games, but they're winning with the exception of like the BC game. A lot of these are pretty close margins. Like both the Ottawa games were, all yeah. three of the Calgary ones were. Like a lot of these games have been super, super tight, and so it's just like yeah, they're still winning, and because of that record, you still see them as that like unattainable standard. But like they're reachable. A lot of the teams like like it's just like. Winnipeg needs to have a bad day at the same time as somebody else having a good day in order to win. In order for, like, the other team to beat Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, there would be some games in, like, 2021 where it wouldn't have mattered. Doesn't even matter. Winnipeg just wins. Done. And it's just like, yeah, every game seems to come with its struggles. And if Winnipeg doesn't uh, respond in time, then they'll lose. So, yeah, I, th- I just think that the rest of the field has caught up to Winnipeg more. I don't think it's Winnipeg coming down. I think everybody else mm-hmm. is kind of catching up. That's fair for sure. And I'm on the same page. I think they've looked a bit more vulnerable recently. And I don't know if everybody catching up. Because Montreal, I don't think they've caught up to Winnipeg. They're not on the same level. But... Um, and I'm sorry, sorry. To answer the question, there's three away games left for the Bombers. Oh, well, there you go. And four home games, yeah. Yeah. Not bad, then. Yeah, um, I don't know what it is with Winnipeg, because, yeah, I, do, I don't think Montreal has caught up to Winnipeg. They're not on the same level. I think that was just a bad game for Winnipeg, but 
I do think they've kind of slowed down to the point where they're definitely seems like Calgary will be competitive against them. It'll see kind of where they're at closer to playoff time. And then on to our next game. Toronto destroyed Hamilton um, at a relatively empty uh 37 to 20. So Dane Evans being so bad and I know Schultz is injured, but he did play a little bit this game. When both are healthy, will there be a QB controversy in Hamilton? Uh yeah, hundred percent. Dane had three picks, one of them went for a touchdown, he fumbled. Uh like he he's not getting it done right now. And even if he's keep keeping you somewhat competitive in the games uh, he he is almost the cause of you losing. Like you think back a couple weeks ago, like he was fumbling almost on the last play, like where they could have kind of won it. He did it a few times too. So, yeah, I definitely think there's a controversy, especially the way Schultz has kind of showed out lately. His stats aren't much for this game. I mean, he's out six to eight, which sucks for them. But uh, yeah, like right now, I mean, they're kicking their butts that they signed the wrong guy with the team, and now they're. I think yeah, I think they're looking for options because I don't think Dane is the answer in Hamilton. I think he's he could be a good quarterback, but I just don't know if this is the system for him. How crazy is it that Hamilton wasted the two good years that Dane Evans has had so far? <laughs> <laughs> by having him sit on the bench when he was the better option compared to Masoli. And yep. now that they finally give him the reins, it feels like they just missed the boat on him. <laughs> Big time. It's such a shame. Um, it's a disservice to him because I really liked Dane Evans, and I did coming into this season as well. Um, obviously, opinion changes with uh, how he performs. Um, but yeah, I think there has to be quarterback controversy because Schultz was absolutely bawling out there. For sure. like. I did not think Schultz would be this good coming into this year. I don't think right. I don't think anybody. Yeah, did. Yeah. yeah. Nobody had a Matthew Schultz breakout year on their bingo card for <laughs> CFL, but it's happened. It's, so it's not a bad thing. Like I'm oh, not no doubt by it. I know some Ryder fans that want him here next year. So I mean, <laughs> crazy. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But um, yeah, for me, it's Schultz is the guy. You know, until proven otherwise. And, like you have to roll with Dane Evans, um, all Schultz, but I mean, back I think has to be better. And then for our next one here, is Toronto still the top dog in the East, or is there someone hanging with them that you like a bit more, maybe? Uh, I mean they they are technically because they got first place, but. I mean, Montreal, you got to consider them as of late. They didn't start off the season great, but in the past few weeks, they did beat uh, the the only like undefeated team in the league. And they haven't been playing uh, that bad a ball lately. Like they beat Hamilton the week before. They did lose to Winnipeg too, but, uh, you know, like maybe, maybe Montreal, but I, it's, it's still the East is, I mean, the best team has five wins. And the best team in the West has 10 wins. So I think that kind of speaks volumes there. But for now, the Toronto is still the top dog in the East. Yeah, Yeah. no, I was going to say Toronto is the top dog because at the end of the day, um, like to go back to the uh, Winnipeg-Montreal argument, um, it was another, what was it here? We look, another home and home on the away side of the, or no, it was the home side of the home and home this time. I was going back to... Uh, 2021 where they lost to toronto on the away side of a home and home but it's like that it's like um 
like Montreal, yeah, they were able to knock off Winnipeg, but they needed to play them in consecutive weeks to kind of crack that code. So I wouldn't give that as much value as if they had one in week nine. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that Toronto is still the top dog. They continually find ways to win when they have to, um, because at the end of the day, um, you can talk about how the wins are different, but it's just, you got to have more wins than the guys that are in your division. And right now Toronto's done that. Sure. And for me, I'm kind of debating. Montreal is a big wild card. It just. They're they're just a bit of a wild card team. I don't really know what to think of them. Whereas Toronto is like they've also beat Western, so I feel like they still have the slight edge on Montreal. But I think that gap is pretty. I guess we'll kind of mm-hmm. see in the coming weeks who the top dog in the East is, and then the result that surprised everyone. Um, Cody went into the 2019 bag, and the Riders Lions 23 to 16. Cool. And so we got to get into the elephant of the room. Uh, Jed Fajardo's performance in the QB controversy in Saskatchewan. You know, I'm gonna go with something I said about the last game here. Um, what it's gonna come down to is consistency because that was an amazing performance by Cody, the best all year, I'd say, but. Um, it's whether he's going to be able to do it more than two weeks in a row or even one week in a row because right now he's had some really spotty games throughout uh, throughout the season. You know, he's only... No, he, he only broke the 300-yard passing mark in week one and week 12 here. And, uh, you know, it, it's been kind of hit or miss lately, so I'd, I'd like to say yes, but I also need to see more consistency from him because if it's not there, then I'm going to say no. You know, if we lose, if the Riders lose, let's say back to back to Winnipeg and then they lose a third game, like, yeah, people are going to be pointing the finger at him all day. So, uh, yeah, I got to see consistency before I say it's over. Uh, yeah, for myself, it's, uh, it's interesting because. You take down BC, and BC's defense has been no slouch either. Um, but like that being said, yeah, it's just it's worrisome when just last week everybody was talking like, oh, we need to get like a new quarterback for Ryderville, and now it's like people are just like people have forgotten all about that. Like I don't think that quarterback controversies, I don't think that controversies should necessarily go away too quick. Mm-hmm. because you don't want a spotty quarterback. So it's kind of like with, you know, it takes so long to build up a good reputation and like one bad thing, or in this case for football, one bad game can ruin that. Um, yeah. And so it's like, it's worrisome that people are wanting to end the controversy. If I was a Ryder fan, I'd say like, you still got to look around, but it's definitely a sigh of relief to show that like, he can get back to where he was. Sure. Me, does it end the controversy? No, but it gives Cody some because after the game before this one, he was so terrible and mine actually looked pretty good. So kind of giving Cody this one more shot, maybe that game lit a fire under him. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, I guess next, next game against Winnipeg. But that's kind of where I'm at with that. It doesn't end the controversy for me, but 
gives them a bit of breathing room. I still would like to see it towards the end of the year what we have in mind. Just oh, you know, this is a guy that we go in with next year if we don't want to keep Cody as a starter, bring in somebody, you know, what, what's up with him? But in terms of Cody, uh, I do think this gives him a bit of breathing room and what's the What's the controversy bit on the backward? Especially if you can follow it up. And then, what did everybody think about BC without Nathan Rourke? Well, that's uh, it's it's interesting because you thought it was just going to affect the quarterback game a, a bit, but it seemed to affect their defense too. Because, I mean, the Riders haven't been kind of be, been able to make big plays like they did. Uh, like almost all year, and then they started making it happen this game against a really good defense. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. They they did not look good. If they're going to play at this level, they're going to drop down to fourth place in the West fast. And I'm not saying the Riders are going to clinch second or anything, but it's it, it, like if, if this is the level they're going to play at for the rest of the season, it's not going to work out for them because the Riders aren't the best team in the league by far right now. And if you can't keep up with them when they're hurting and they got these offensive struggles, then I there's issues. And like it, it could go from really good there to really bad really fast. Yeah, I'm I'm a little concerned. I mean, obviously there's gonna be growing pains trying to just sort of fit somebody into that role. And who do they play this upcoming week? If anybody they have the bye. So they have a bye week to sort of get their mind right. And then they come back at it against Montreal, which is a, uh, I would say, a solid test game for them to see how they stack up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would, uh, I would say, like, I'm still optimistic about BC Lions' season. Um, personally, if you had to, uh, if you had to make me predict right now, I would still say they host a playoff game. But um, I, it's a very believable thought that BC could drop to third and even fourth. For sure. And for me, I think, yeah, you're you're losing some leadership with Rourke. And not to say O'Connor's not a leader or anything. I thought he was fine, but at the same time he did get hurt partway through this game and they had to roll with Pipkin uh for a little over a half. So for me they they definitely look vulnerable. Um I think they, they are lacking a bit of leadership get lost right now and the Carter said hopefully they can kinda get back right on the bye week and figure things out. Um hopefully the O'Connor injury isn't serious, but I guess we'll see. And then what other than Fajardo were some key success factors for the riders this game? Uh I'm I'm gonna say three things. Um the defense formed really well like uh Clark had a couple block touched like he blocked some touchdowns in the end zone there a few times and that was surprising to see him step up like that um and then you're gonna i'm gonna look at frankie hickson and keen schaefer baker keen had that big touchdown he also had the big catch to like keep that drive going and frankie for his first start had 130 yards on the ground like you can't ask for much more out of your running back so i'm gonna put it on their shoulders it was uh cody had a nice part in it but those three really uh like those three people and i guess defense like they had a really big effect on the game and helped help the riders win the way they did 
Yeah, I would say that the defense definitely needs a ton of love after the game that they definitely like or of the game that they had. It was insane. Um, Larry Dean, eight tackles and a sack. That's a wild stat line for a game like this. Um, holding BC to uh, and it, I get that it's Nathan Rourke. Don't care. Or like I get that he's out. Don't care. It's they held BC to 16. Look at the receiving core that they have. And they held them to 16 points. Exactly. So, I think that the defense deserves a lot of credit, and I think too much of the focus has gone on Cody Fajardo. But Fajardo did play great. For sure. And Taylor already mentioned Clark had some nice pass breakups, but yeah, I feel like the defense was really, really helpful. I think having more of a bounced attack on offense by calling from Moss, I think that really helped out with Cody. And Guys, you know, getting guys like Schaefer Baker involved who have been quiet the last couple of weeks, I thought that was also kind of a huge factor for the Riders in this win is they were getting kind of a bit more players involved than normal. I feel like those are a couple of key best factors. And then, not really in a shocker, but I guess this is the dumpster fire bowl. Um, <laughs> Ottawa, Pete Edmonton. Uh, in Edmonton's home, on Edmonton's home turf, uh, twenty-five to eighteen. Now, do you continue to go with Arbuckle after this game? Cause he had a relatively good performance. His former team. Yeah, I mean, he he helped to get that win, so I I think so. I like Caleb. Seems like he's decent, but you can't rely on your quarterback's running abilities to win you a game every week. It's just, it doesn't work out that way. You need a guy that can throw two with some accuracy. So, uh, no, the way, uh, the way Nick Arbuckle played was good. He was only, he was short a touchdown just a little bit, like for a throwing one, he did have a rushing one, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, they don't have much choice right now, honestly, like you could go with Caleb, but hasn't got you those wins. I think he, what he got one, but that's it. And, Nick got you one here, and if he stays consistent, I don't think you question it. But yeah, you're you're leaning towards Nick Arbuckle right now, I'd say. Yeah, you're the Ottawa Red Blacks. Okay, wins are coming at you at a premium. Do what works. Don't yeah. question anything. <laughs> For sure. But just go. I don't care that it's against Edmonton. You won. You don't usually win. Keep it up. <laughs> exactly. For sure. And, and it's when looking at Nick Arbuckle as a quarterback, I just throw my hands up at this point. I have no idea what to think. Because <laughs> they'll have good strings of games. You think, oh, this guy's actually not bad. And then will have an absolute dud. And, yep. you know, this is one of those games where it's like, yeah, he looked really good. And wonder, okay, well, is next week going to be a dud? But for me, I think, yeah, you roll with him uh, next week. Given that, you know, he got you a rare W. So I think you have to roll with him, and then maybe Caleb Evans uh, takes the reins back towards the end of the season. But for now, I think you stick with what works. Then, what? Um, what is the biggest issue with Edmonton's offense? It was not good. Yeah. No. Um. Honestly, I mean, the first half they they put up three points, and uh, that that's tough. Like not even getting just a single touchdown in the first half. You're asking for problems. Uh, the old line didn't look the best either, and uh, like Cornelius didn't play bad, but the like he 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 did he couldn't throw in the end zone. The touchdowns he got were like the one yard kind of sneak things. So 
Um, yeah, I just, I, I really think, I mean, you could say it with any team scoring, but yeah, like when you put up three points and a half, you're asking for trouble there. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that's the problem. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that the problem is Taylor Cornelius taking a big, unfortunate step backwards. Um, I feel like I was, uh, I was starting to get on the, uh, Taylor Cornelius train. Um, just like, not that he was going to be like a superstar as of yet, but he was going to be like serviceable. But then like this game, 37% completion and no picks or no touchdowns to one pick. Just a disappointing outing from him. And it looks like they're going to have to wait a couple of more weeks before the opportunity to, uh, to break that, uh, home streak. For sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, Edmonton's offense is kind of a mess. They still don't have a run game. Um, Cornelius, never been on the Cornelius train, um, but I think he's an adequate backup. Yeah, the mess there right now. Uh, it's a McAdoo offense, so that's good. <laughs> but yeah, it's this disaster all around. I think coaching's a mess. Um, Again, you have you have no running back. That's well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Chris Jones jacks some Deron Carter in there. Uh, <laughs> point couldn't even. I guess we'll see. And then Ottawa plays Montreal, Toronto twice, DC, Montreal twice, Hamilton twice to finish the season. What will be their record at the end of this year? You know, that's a, it's tough because, I mean, they've been they've been so inconsistent. Like, I mean, you look at week one, they almost, they didn't beat Winnipeg, but they had that game really competitive. And then it's kind of a, it, it's tougher to beat a team like Edmonton this week because, I mean, even with putting up only three and a half, it wasn't like it was a blowout or anything. They could have came back and won that game, so... Uh, yeah, Edmonton could have. Um, but honestly, I think maybe they get one more win this season. Like just with who they're playing and stuff, and the way those teams are going, you might beat Hamilton one or two of those times. But I don't see them beating Montreal, Toronto, or BC right now. Just at the level they're playing, where those guys are at, I don't. I don't see it. So, what three and uh, eight, three and fifteen? That's what I'm gonna say. That's really unfortunate. But yeah, three and fifteen. Oh, that's this. This is oh, it's crazy to think this was a team. This was a team that was like what two plays away, two scoring drives away from beating Winnipeg back to back weeks to start the season. Yeah. We're talking about them possibly having a three win season. Oh, this is uh, it's yeah. just it bites. Um, but yeah, they play Montreal, Toronto twice, BC, Montreal twice, Hamilton twice. Um. I'm not going to lie. I feel like they're going to take... I think they win three out of those. Oh, I think three. they're going to end... Yeah, what would it be? Five and 13? Yeah. I think that's going to be their end. A smidge more respectable, but still a, a <laughs> failure of a season for what they had aspirations for. For me, and... Anywhere from one to three games, looking at that. I don't think they beat Montreal. And maybe split with Toronto. They're not beating BC. Um, uh, again, I think they get maybe one against Montreal. And then Hamilton. 
thing keep it close. Hamilton has a hard time winning close games. So True. they can either split that series or sweep them. So that's kind of where I go. My range of outcomes for Ottawa's one to three games in that span. And then let's jump into our power rankings. So for me, I have Winnipeg at one, Calgary at two, Toronto three, Sask four, uh, Montreal five, PC six, um, Hamilton in seventh, Ottawa eighth, and Edmonton in ninth. We, I'm actually looking now. We had identical. Uh, yeah, I changed my Saskatchewan Toronto ranking. So. But I got Winnipeg, Calgary, Toronto, Saskatchewan, Montreal, BC, Hamilton, Ottawa, and Edmonton. Yeah, I just, it's kind of, you, you know where the good teams are and you know where the bad teams are right now. Um, uh, so for myself, I've got Winnipeg, then Calgary. It's crazy that they lost and they're still number two, but that just goes to show how good they looked. Uh, Toronto number three, Saskatchewan number four. BC number five, Montreal number six, Hamilton seven, Ottawa eight, and Edmonton number ninth. Win a home game. <laughs> nice. For sure. And then let's jump into CFL Fantasy. So for best positional options, I have Trevor Harris or Jake Mayer. Are there other quarterbacks you were considering this week? Uh, no. Like, I got Jake Mayer in my lineup. You could maybe say Zach Claros. He's pricey, but, uh, he doesn't really have two big off games, and I mean it's Saskatchewan's defense. So, but no, I I got Mayor in my lineup this week. You have to pick Mayor, right? He's so cheap compared to what he was able to do last week, and he's playing mm-hmm. against Edmonton. Edmonton is away; they could win. But that being said, like Calgary for the longest time was like the hardest place to play. So, I think that Mayor is the is the smart choice. Right now. And then let's look at running back here. I've got Terry Oliveira, Hickson, and Devontae Williams. Anybody else you're considering? Uh, I got Frankie Hickson and Kadeem Carey in my lineup, so uh, no, I really don't. I think those other picks are good, too. Uh, for myself, for the running back situation, I have got the uh, the combo of Antwi and Carey. That's what I'm rolling with. Oh. Fair enough. The wide receiver, I have Tim White, um, Jalen Ackman, um, Blake Henry, uh, Stephen Dunbar, Curly Gittins, ASB, uh, Ape Hart, and Reggie White. Anybody else you would think is picking? Uh, yeah, well, I got, uh, I'm taking Dalton Schoen this week. I don't think he's going to have another kind of quiet week. Uh, and then I got Jake Weineke in my lineup with uh, Montreal having the bye week going against Ottawa. I think he should have a good game. And DeVaris Daniels against Hamilton. Uh, he had a touchdown last week, but looking at his stats, like he's been really consistent all year. So I'm going to, yeah, those are my three. I think I'm locking them in, honestly. Um. So, yeah, for my wide receiving crew for this week, I'm rolling with, yeah, Kamar Jordan. I'm, I've got Kenny Lawler this week. And then I am rolling with, Greg McRae. Fair enough. And then the defense, uh, I've got Calgary as the defense that if you're going to pick, that's an exploitable matchup. Are there any other defenses you're considering? 
Yeah, I think you could consider Montreal's defense this week just going against Ottawa. Uh, they're good at the pass pressure, and uh, I think that could really help them out that game. So, I mean, but you could also, I think, just in my personal opinion, you could lean towards Winnipeg's defense this week. Uh, just with the way the Riders O-line's playing, I think a lot of sacks are coming their way this week. Uh, I don't have the money to buy a defense, and I got scammed last week. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not rolling with the defense. I'm done with that. Fair enough. Um, so, let's go value picks. Um, Greg McRae is exactly 3,500. And then Monte Coxie also getting some nice targets for Toronto. Um, anybody else you would consider there? Um, no, you said Greg McRae. Maybe, it depends if he plays or not. Maybe Braden Lennius at 3,484. But uh, other than that, not really. I mean, you could go risky with uh, Sean Thomas Erlington if Hamilton decides to, like, use a running back or not this week. Um, so, yeah, and I, I would say stay away from uh, Sean Bain because I think people have kind of caught up to him a bit, and uh, they're not going to use him quite like they did so far. Fair enough. And then let's get into our blocks here. I have a uh, have changed. Yes, I did. See, I'll go with uh, Frankie Hickson, my guy. Really like him. He's a home run hitter. Um, showed out well in BC. I think we'll show out well again again. Yeah, fair. Uh, I'm taking a QB this week. I got Jake Mirror. I just, uh, with his performance last week, they're not going to give the job back to Bo, and he's up against Edmonton's defense this week, so I think he could have a really nice outing this week. Um, for me, I am rolling with Lawler for my lock. I feel like he has been the one piece of Edmonton that continuously makes plays. I mean, he's well worth the money that they paid for him. And so I think he's going to be a sneaky guy to show out and get a high number game. Fair enough. And then that's sort of predictions, I guess. So predictions in one thing. Um, I'm 30 and 17. Carter and I both had very rough weeks. So, yep. Okay. So I have Montreal beating Ottawa, Winnipeg beating Saskatchewan, Toronto beating Hamilton, Calgary beating Edmonton this week. Are you excited for anything this week, Mike? Oh, that's a good question. Um, what would I be excited for? You excited for anything? No. You know what? <laughs> I'll say I'll say mine before you think about it. I'll say All right, mine. I'll think about so, it. Uh, I went twenty nine and eighteen. Uh, that well, that's what I'm at so far. Two and two last week, so got to do better. Uh, I'm taking Montreal to beat Ottawa. I'm excited to see Trevor Harris in that game. Hopefully, just like really cement himself and ball out. Uh, the Winnipeg Sass game. I'm taking Winnipeg, but the thing I am excited to see is if Cody's going to stay consistent this week. Um, Toronto at Hamilton. I'm taking Hamilton because the home team's won every game so far this season out of this kind of mini series. So uh, something I'm looking forward to seeing is I well I I'm predicting that Hamilton wins, but I want to see if McLeod Bethel Thompson can have two good weeks in a row because uh, it's been really spotty this year. And my the, for the last game Edmonton at Calgary. Uh, I'm taking Calgary. I think it's kind of silly if you take Edmonton this week. And, uh, yeah, something I'm looking forward to is seeing Jake Mayer ball out again. But I'm really excited just to see 
if that Calgary defense can really solidify them this year as like one of the top defenses with a crap kick into the Elks. Fair enough. I'm going to come back with my one thing for these ones just before it gets harder here. So Montreal versus Ottawa. I'm kind of curious to see what Nick Arbuckle does. Um, whether he can build off of last week or you no. Know, have a dud. And then Winnipeg versus Sask. Kind of curious to see what the rider receivers can do, especially with possibly Shaq Evans coming back and uh, what's his face? Lenius also might be coming back. And then Toronto versus Hamilton. Uh, kind of curious to see what Dane Evans looks like after kind of a horrid game. And then Edmonton versus Calgary. I love the physicality of the Battle of Alberta, so that'll have to be my answer for that one. Okay, so for myself, I am rolling with the Montreal Alouettes. And what am I most excited about for this game? Man, it's... I'm just excited to see if uh, if Ottawa can finally get back, like, on the right path. Because I feel like if they're going to do it, like, Montreal is that perfect. Like, I've pegged them as the uh, as the sort of test game. And, like, they're, like, the median. Are you above or below? So I'm really excited to see uh, where they're going to stack up. Sure. And then let's jump into our last segment here. Well, hold uh, on, hold on. Wait. Carter, you got to give your predictions for the rest of the games. Oh, my bad. I thought we were going one at a time. Oh, uh, I've just completely blanked. It's okay. Yeah, no, I think we both okay. blanked we, on this we're segment. Both, we're so both good. behind. Okay, so I'm going Winnipeg over Saskatchewan. And yeah, I'm really excited to see. Um, it seems like whenever we go to Saskatchewan, the uh, the secondary is always like what the uh, what the perceived um, weakness is. And I'm excited to see if uh, Saskatchewan is going to be able to exploit that and potentially make this game very, very close. Um, then I'm going with Toronto. Um, I do not trust Hamilton anymore. They screwed me last week. It made me very sad. Uh, I'm excited to see if uh, if McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to be able to uh, sort of keep on the role that he's been. Like, I mean, like not been playing outstanding, but he's been playing pretty solid recently, from what I can remember. And lastly, Calgary over Edmonton. I'm excited to see Mayor. I mean, come on. Yeah. Right. Who isn't? For sure. <laughs> And now we can get to off the pod activities. So for me, I've got the terminal list. I've been watching this on Prime. Uh it started last night. Holy crap, it's good. Um I've been kinda looking for a show to replace the Punisher as like go to and this kind of been it. So really enjoy nice. this one. Highly recommend. Cool. Um for me it's been uh my Ten-year-old son's football started up again, so we're the the Spartans this year, and he's playing defensive end. It seems like so far, so he's a big kid for his size, like not uh, tubby wise, but tall and lanky, so he could get his arms out there. It's gonna be fun to watch, and uh, just for a show, uh, House of Dragons has been on for two weeks now. Uh, I mean, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you're gonna want to watch it uh, a couple times. I just can't believe they're doing the stuff they're doing, but it is a good show, so I do recommend it if you're into that medieval game of thrones type of stuff um yeah as for myself mine has been not as fun as uh, as you two um so my car broke down on sunday oh so, yeah basically um the um so you put your coolant in your car right and that's what keeps your engine cool 
and the tube that takes that and runs it throughout the rest of your engine has broke. So basically oh. all the coolant just leaked out of my car. Oh. Um, luckily, when I noticed it, I was in a McDonald's parking lot or I was in a drive through. So I went into the parking lot and was able to stop my car before it, the engine seized up on me. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. If we can find the piece and be able to get it fixed up, then it should be relatively cheap. But if we can't find the parts, then we have to actually I'm going to have to get a new car entirely. Rough. Absolutely rough. Um. <laughs> yeah, but but, you know, at the end of the day. I, I I should probably get a new car, so I'm excited to start looking at it. To end it on a good note, I am excited to start looking. Fair there enough. And on that note, I guess we'll wrap up the show. Made it this far. Thank you for listening. Once again, you can find us on social media at True North CF Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and our Facebook page is the True North Canadian Football Podcast. I have been your host, Mike Schwan. This is the True North Canadian Football Podcast signing off.